fast approaching the 25 year anniversary of winning the thing at Wembley. Can't believe it. Can't it's believe mad, it. isn't it? You don't, you don't look a day older either, do you? I feel it. <laughs> That team was one hell of a good team. And winning that League Cup was was an unbelievable experience. Uh, when they went two down there, you thought, well, that's it. They were a big team back then, and um, with some star, star players. In 94, you go in there thinking, oh, God, Man United. In 96, you go thinking, yeah, we got this. Yeah, we win the League Cup every two years. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. that was just the way it's it just was, what happens. You know how Bielsa this year went and spied on the opposition? Yeah. Howard had actually got somebody to come and watch us training. I had to go back and tell Howard Wilkinson that the kit man played in goal this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Paul McGrath just sat on the side doing nothing, eat, eating an, uh, an orange and an apple or something. What would that night have been like, celebrating? Can't remember much about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, proud, crikey. Yeah, it's brilliant. What was most exciting, Brian, leading Aston Villa out at Wembley or the, the, the motorcycle that escorted you from the hotel to the stadium? <laughs> <laughs> I do like motorbikes. <laughs> I mean, I'm really going to test your memory here, but can you remember the goal that sparked the run? Peterborough. Did we, was it 6-0 or something, was it? When Andy Townsend's flicked the ball up for Draper for the free kick. I think when when you're playing the likes of Peterborough, no disrespect to them, you are expected to win and get through. But And then that, that game's just put to bed and you don't really think about it until you start getting to the quarters and the semis. A couple of little things that night, very routine, 6-0 win, but the first goal was uh, when the ball was flicked up I think that Andy Townsend flicked it up and Mark Draper chested it, volleyed it in from the edge of the area. I think these days it might be questioned if it was legal or not. But yeah, it, was, it was very inventive for Villa. It was, it was a fabulous goal, yeah, really a great goal. To me, that's the kind of goal that you'd kind of mess about in training after the after training's finished rather than something you'd work on. Well, the, the, the funny thing is, we did actually work on it. Most of the time, it doesn't work in training. <laughs> but then to do it in a game and have and have the have the kahunas to do it in a game as well, I think was uh, was a big big thing. And um, like I say, we worked on it in training. I was one of the ones who were just standing there and watching in the wall. And um, you know, most of the time, Drake was hitting me in the wall with it as well. And, um, but. But to do it in a game and, and for it to come off like that was fantastic, brilliant. Townsend's flicked the ball up and That's Draper's it. volleyed it in. It, was that was that one of yours, John? Yes, it was one of mine. Um, it was one, one of mine, yeah. You obviously sort of use the people that you're expecting to be start in the next game. Um, and you, you need to remind, and you go through it four, five, six, ten times, whatever, and obviously it starts to work and it's, it's, everything's great. And then suddenly we get a free kick in exactly the position for this free kick and someone else takes it. <laughs> and this is footballers, you know. Suddenly Steve Staunton says, oh, I'm going to have this, I'm going to smash it in the top corner, you know. And it's like, Stan, you're, you're nothing to do with this free kick. Go away. Mark, Mark Draper, he actually, Andy had to flick it onto his knee and he he, he he needed he flicked it up with his knee into the air and then volleyed it um, in, into the corner of the net. So, um, yeah, I do remember that free kick coming off well. Of course, they're 6-0 up, but they've still got a second leg at, at London Road. And 
I shall never forget Brian Little, who, as you know, was very, very cautious, would never overcommit on anything, which is understandable, I suppose. He walked into the press conference and John Ragg from the Daily Express said, Brian, please don't say it's only half time. <laughs> Brian, to be fair, said, well, yes, I think we should be OK. <laughs> After Mark Draper gets the ball rolling with that creative free kick, Villa never really looked back, battered Peterborough 6-0, Dwight York scoring twice, Tommy Jansen, Southgate in an own goal, completing the route. Drew 1-1 in the second leg, Steve Staunton scoring to make it 6-1 on aggregate. And then, as you'd expect for a club that was, you know, amongst the best in the country in 1996, finished fourth in the league, got to the FA Cup semi-final. They rolled over all the teams who came came in their way at Villa Park. Stockport were beaten 2-0. Hugo and Dwight on target that night. QPR were dispatched with a 1-0 victory thanks to Andy Townsend's goal. And then it was Wolves who disappeared from Villa Park, defeated as well as Tommy Johnson scored again. Before they knew it, Villa were well on the way to what we knew was going to be a really, really famous achievement. And it was Arsenal who were standing in their way in the semi-finals. They were obviously managed by Bruce Rioch, who who I, I would put down as one of my major mentors in my life. The the semi final was was the game that I was looking at and thinking, wow, um, I've got to beat somebody who I'm actually, I actually look up to like in a big way. You know, I mean, I, I you know I think I've always felt on on a football field as a football player, you know, I, I've never frightened not frightened's a word, but I, I never felt in awe of anybody really. And you know, I just that's it. I'm playing. Give me the give me the ball uh, as a football manager. You know, I was now walking to an era where, I, like my ex-boss, I was having to, I was having to try and beat him, and and he wasn't just my ex-boss; he was somebody who I had total respect for, and and you know thought he was a million miles better at it than I was in many respects. So the Arsenal game was, and when we were two 0 down, and Yorkie got two goals back, didn't he, in the semi-final? Um, I remember then thinking, oh, he's beaten me. I remember then having a, a thought, oh, he's probably beaten me now, hasn't he? And then Yorkie popped up with them goals and thought to myself, right. And going into the second leg, I knew I knew it would be hard, but I knew we, we were strong enough to not let them score. But it was important we didn't think about defending totally. But no, I think the Arsenal game, that didn't scare me, but it, it, it certainly had, I, I was concerned that they might just have a little edge on us. So we'd have to be at our best to get through. Got to Wembley and I thought we were there. Thought we could win it. Totally confident about it. The semi-final was the the, the big the big test for us. I think they were a big team back then, and um, with some star star players. And um, I think we were seen as underdogs in the semi-final. And um, when Dwight, I think Dwight scored the equaliser at Highbury. I think. Um, and then, then you're thinking, when you're beating the likes of Arsenal, then you're thinking your name's on the cup because that game was probably harder than the final itself. At Arsenal in the semi-final, they were two down to a couple of Dennis Burkamp goals. When they went two down there, you thought, well, that's it. But before half-time, Dwight York scored one. And then second half, he got a header, two each. The second leg was just cat and mouse and Villa just held on for nil-nil through on away goals. What what happens then? Because, you know, you're you're the Villa fan who's probably got I don't know, you probably tell me you've got a hundred cousins who want to go get tickets oh. for that oh. for that match. What was that like? It was one of the worst things ever in my career. 
was getting people tickets for a cup final. It was an absolute nightmare. All right, Tails, how are you? Not seen you for a long time. <laughs> any chance of any tickets for the cup final? And it's like, flipping heck. And you don't want to let anybody down and uh, you don't want to be seen as, as big time and not wanting to do stuff for people. So I ended up getting, I must have been, it must have been a hundred tickets or something. Um, and most of the time, you know, I was um, paying for stuff and then trying to get money back off people for, for tickets and whatnot. It was a complete nightmare. But, um, you know, it was one of the things that, you know, you have to put up with as a, as a professional footballer because you get all these people wanting to come and watch and even if they don't want to come and watch you, <laughs> they want to come and watch the final. But um, I've got to say, it was a bit of a nightmare because you just you want to look after your nearest and dearest, but then you get the so-called hangers on who, who turn up as well. And uh, yeah, you end up having to try and sort them out as well. You've got to give Brian a lot of credit because there's a lot of teams now that have gone to free at the back and wing backs and free midfield. And um, and Brian was doing that 25 years ago. And you think, you know, for people to be doing it now and still doing it, it's it's amazing, really. And he always wanted a good balance to his team. You know, for instance, he wanted a Gareth Southgate in the centre of the back three who could play and, and ping left and right foot to, to either side. You know, he, he found that really good balance. Even with Savo and Dwight up front, he wanted a left-footed striker and a right-footed striker. I'm sure he's told you that. He just wanted a complete balance throughout the team. And um, I, I think he was quite innovative um, when he was manager at our place. The balance of that team was was the balance of a Ron Saunders team for me. I, I've said this to many people on many of occasions. I've probably said it to you, and if I'm repeating myself, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, I based my, my, my team on, you know, the if I look at the forwards, the right foot, left foot, Dwight York, Savo Milosevic was going to be that. It was going to be my Peter with Gary Shaw, my Brian Little, um, Andy Gray. Mark Draper was my, my Gordon Cowens. Andy Townsend was my, my Dennis Mortimer. Ian Taylor was, was my Des Bremner, you know, unbelievable energy. Yeah, I, I see it as a compliment. Of course I do. Because, you know, Des is a legend uh, in my eyes. And, you know, to be to be wearing the same shirt as him as well is a massive compliment. So... Um, I'm quite chuffed with that, mate. <laughs> it was my tribute to Ron Saunders. That, that was my, that was that was me putting a Ron Saunders team together. Um, and lots of people would say, you know, some of my players might have been better than some of that team that won the won the league. I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to get into that sort of argument. But I, I know. I know. Deep down, I, I I built that sort of a team. That team was one hell of a good team. And winning that League Cup was was an unbelievable experience, um, one that I'm I'm really proud of. So you know that's that's with me forever. Thankfully, twenty five years, a quarter of a century. It's no wonder that we find ourselves harking back to nineteen ninety six. We come to this point so many times. Cup finals, whenever Villa reach a cup final, League Cup final. Back then, growing up watching Aston Villa in the mid nineties. For those of us who weren't quite old enough to remember the glories of the early 80s, 94 and 96 were our Rotterdam. Savo spanking in, spanking in that goal, you know. Yeah. Savo and Misalotovic was getting, well. getting stick. Um, Which was always harsh, I yeah. thought. I don't think he ever... I don't think he's got a, I think if you looked at his stats now, I don't think he got a bad return. I think he, to be he was a good player. And when he hit it, obviously, the, 
then everyone loves him then doesn't he and he was like but what a goal I thought that by the time I would not not that I would be thinking massively mm. about my mid-twenties at that point I thought by the time I'd be mid-twenties Villa would have won the champ, would have won the yeah. Premier League title yeah. mm. considering that, that went into it with that pressure on them um, mm-hmm. you know he, he, like I said mm. it, was, it was a really really convincing comprehensive performance yeah, how did that feel as a fan going into it out. in 94 you go in there thinking oh god Man United in 96 you go thinking yeah we got this yeah we win the League Cup every two years <laughs> yeah. that was a, just the way it's it was just what wasn't happens it? I presume it was part of your, your role to keep the guys relaxed wasn't it in the, in the run up can you remember much about it yes I remember a lot about it a very nice hotel got nice grounds on it got a golf course on it and uh, they've got a lot of snooker tables to be honest training was was it was always just a question of just ticking over. You know, we, we planned Saturday, we'd have a game Tuesday night or Wednesday night, and then we're playing again the following Saturday or Sunday, and um, games were coming thick and fast. And uh, training became, as I said, very relaxed. We sometimes, we'd even just have a walk. Some days we'd just go out and we'd just walk the whole perimeter of Bodymore Heath, and we'd walk around two or three times. That was it. Go in and have a bit of lunch and send up, give them a wash and... Uh, have a massage or something and send them home and we didn't really do anything we let the boys play snooker they obviously had had a had a curfew in the evening to go back to their beds and so on and so forth come down for breakfast the next morning went to the this local training ground and i remember this one morning we went to training and it was it was about a, a day or two days just before the final at Wembley. The manager wanted to keep everything as, as normal as possible and treat it as a like we would do an away game. I, I always used to room with um, Tommy Johnson and um, we used to stay up quite late and we used to watch uh, certain programmes and stuff. We even had bloody goal celebrations. <laughs> but, um, oh, what was it? The one with Vic Reeves and um, Mortimer. Oh, Shooting Stars. Yeah, Shooting Stars, that's it. That's it. And we used to watch that every Friday night before he we went to bed. It was one of our rituals, put it that way. And uh, we'd watch that the night before. I'm, I'm not sure whether we watched that the night before the final. But, um, yeah, you just go down for for breakfast as normal and try and treat it the same as any other day. But obviously you, you're a bag of nerves because you're playing in a in a cup final and to sleep was, was quite difficult. So you ended up staying up quite late. And uh, and it ended up not being a normal night before it, before a game because you were that, just that nervous and finding it hard to sleep. What was most exciting, Brian, leading Aston Villa out at Wembley, or the the, the motorcycle that escorted you from the hotel to the stadium? <laughs> <laughs> I do like motorbikes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in in different ways they were both brilliant. Um, not that I'm superstitious, but we just I just liked staying when I was when I was a young footballer. We used to go to to Selsden Park Hotel and, and have a bit of golf. There's a mid season break and things like that. And I I just wanted to go back there. I just oh I've never been there for years. Uh, let's go there. And then of course when the police came and told me what are you staying over here for? You know we we've got to go through London to get to. I said then I saw these three police police bikes. So I said well. You guys can do it. It's easy to doddle. You know, I'd lost twice at Wembley. God, it's a horrible place to lose at. And I was determined that wasn't going to happen again. So um, certainly with the Villa, when I got there, there was only one focus, one at all, and that was getting the team to be organised and teaching them that we're here to win a game of football, end of story, but to be relaxed and to be happy and to be comfortable. Um, and, And I personally 
felt happy being in the, the hotel that I was in. I didn't want to stay right next to Wembley. I wanted to be away from it. You know, I wanted the lads to have a little game of snooker and things like that if they wanted to. I wanted a relaxation thing. Uh, I wanted them to smile as they're walking around the place, not to be worried because uh, they couldn't see the ground from outside and things like that, you know, just... And it all went to plan, so that was what it was all about. We had a sort of eight, nine aside on this on this pitch, and uh, one of the goalkeepers had a bit of a knock, so Jim Paul went in goal. Big fat Jim, who's about 20 stone. He went in goal. Uh, Paul McGrath didn't want to train because Paul was God, as you know. And we used to say to Paul, do you want to train? And he'd say, are we playing five aside?" And we'd say, no. He said, well, I don't want to train. So, so he, wouldn't, he wouldn't train if there was any running involved. I think Jim Walker played. And we ended up having this game. And... Uh, I said Jim Paul was in one of the goals and it was just a mess about I and mean, we played for about 40 minutes it was real good fun everyone had a good laugh and we scored some goals you got a bit of a sweat on you know and and then we went back we went back had a wash all had a shower and that and then we had lunch and game of snooker end of that was it that was training for the day we were being watched you know how Bielsa this year went and spied on the opposition yeah Howard had actually got somebody to come and watch us training <laughs> Okay, and he stayed. At, he stayed at the Selsden Park Hotel, and he had to report back to Howard who had lunch, what they had for lunch, who had bre- who got up and had breakfast. What did what did they do? How many of them were playing snooker? Who were who were the ones that were playing snooker? He had to follow us to the training ground. Okay, so he he actually told us later. He said, "Oh, what?" I, Followed you, you went training on the Thursday morning. And he said, I had to go back and tell Howard Wilkinson that the kit man played in goal this morning. <laughs> the physio played on the left wing. <laughs> Paul McGrath just sat on the side doing nothing, eat, eating an, uh, an orange and an apple or something. He just sat on the side. Uh, he did so. He didn't train. This one didn't train. And and honestly, he had to go back and report all these things to him. And, and that's and we went and obviously played the game one three nil, and it could have been six nil. Uh, we played exceptionally well that day, uh, and the team were were brilliant. Were you surprised with how resounding a result and performance it became? No, we were just ready for it. I, I could tell we were ready for it. And there was little rumours about oh, someone sent someone down from Leeds to watch what you're doing, and we used to laugh at it. We should make a laugh and a joke about it. And we say, right, we'll see you in the snooker table later on. And we just, you know, just, well, if they're watching us, we're just playing snooker all day. That's all we're going to do today. We just had it. But, you know, that was our ment- that was our mentality in those days. We just, you know, just got on with it. We were ready to play anybody, anywhere, at any time. And um, we were happy to do that. We were flying. It just, you know, we, just, we were just really, really going along. It was on a crest of a wave. And we were as good as most of the other teams. You know, we had a couple of injuries, which, which made it a little bit more difficult. I remember Gary Charles getting injured at the end of the season, which really put a dampener on the season for us. Um, and and then that, that made the last few games very difficult for us because we were all worried about Gary at the time. He had a nasty injury. Um, but we were we were happy. We were just happy in our own skins at that time. It's a, it's a bit of a blur, Matt. You know what I mean. So I think um, you, you know b- beforehand as well because I was playing against Carlton Palmer. 
it was one of those where that spurred me on even more because Carlton was an England international and um, for some stupid reason, people were comparing me to him. And um, I just wanted to get the better of, better of him. You know, you were playing directly against people and it was about winning that battle. And um, and I saw that as a battle between me and Carlton that day. And, um, you know, I was quite pleased that I won that battle. So, um, yeah, that, that was the main thing for me is that I wanted to win that battle on the day. And, um, and you know, and hopefully I did that. On the day at Wembley, Villa were superb. They, they, that was one of the most complete performances I think I, I've seen from a Villa team. And you had that fabulous goal from Milosevic to, to get it going. And then uh, Ian Taylor scored the second. And I, I should never forget when, again, what a good lad Tommy Johnson was. He was on the bench, but he was straight onto the pitch and Ian Taylor went straight to him. He just thought, well, it, the spirit here, yeah, is, is wonderful. In fact, I, I remember saying to Tommy Johnson in the dressing room after... Um, you think you might be back in the team the next week, semi-final? Is it the way they've played? No. <laughs> Just totally honest about it. For Savo to turn up and to, to score a screamer like that, when, you know, I, I'm sure you might have been one of them who, who was questioning <laughs> Savo's ability. Not me. Us seeing him um, day in, day out, we could see what he brought to the team. And he was a lot more um, technically gifted than a lot of people give him credit for. As soon as we got in front, I don't think we, we thought we were going to lose at all. So, um, and that's the way the game went, really. Milosevic got a lot of criticism, but how can, how can you know, when he, when he left us, he went for 8-point-something million. When he went, wherever he went, he went from somewhere for 25 million euros a year after that. Um, he scored 30, nearly 40 goals in 116, 115 games, something like that. That's it's not bad going. Him and his strike partner were outrageously good. It just a bit misunderstood, wasn't he, really, in many respects. And it was difficult for him. And, you know, for someone to come into into this country many, all those years ago at a time when we didn't have the facilities to have today, uh, he, he, he did great. He did, he did fantastic for us. So I was really pleased for him um, more than anything else. People talk a lot about Savo's goal, but I think Savo does really well for that third goal as well, doesn't he? He makes it and creates the space and then York just sweeps it home. Yeah, for him, it just showed his confidence at the time. You know, he's rolling his foot on top of the ball and just and just laying it back to Dwight. And Dwight's finish was brilliant. Looks even better going in off the bar, doesn't it? We, we finished the game with a bit of a swagger, really, because um, we were that dominant and uh, trying things that you probably normally wouldn't. But, um, yeah, he just capped off a brilliant day. That goal when he's just kind of dug that one out on his left foot and pinged it top corner. Like you said, I think it was the moment where, you know, all the Savo Misalosovic or whatever, all the kind of slurs or whatever, or that in one big in one swing of his left boot, he kind of demolished all that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we we'd seen him do that in training and uh, you know, he probably hadn't done it in games enough, but um, you know, him and Dwight were quite a potent forcing up front for us um, that season and uh, they had a really good partnership and like I said it's something that, that Brian worked on with a left footer and a right footer and you know to, to have Dwight in our team as well was was fantastic because we just knew if we could keep clean sheets we could we could get goals so um, yeah for, for them both to score in the cup final as well was uh, was brilliant it seemed to be written perfectly didn't it that Savo the much maligned 
centre forward spanks in the, the opening goal. The, the boiled Villa fan who'd been on the terraces two years previously then then makes it two, and then you've got like Dwight, the, the the entertainer, the crowd pleaser, adds a third. You, you couldn't really have scripted it better, could you? No, it was great. It was really fantastic. I mean, it was the best game. Uh, it, it, you know, if you're going to go to Wembley and win that, it, it had the whole thing written on it for one team, didn't it? I'm sure Tails will never forget that as long as he lives. That's obviously he's probably his finest day ever, I would think, as a player. I thought, yeah, a seven, I'd have probably thought. Um, I think it always sort of glosses everything over, over when you when you get a goal. You know, he was massively important for me in in terms of signing him uh, and 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 Dwight, who, you know, I, I obviously had a tremendous uh, um, respect for. Uh, liked him a lot as a person. Liked how he played. You know, it happened to the to three of the most more not more important, but. But three people who I know will have made an, a, a massive difference to certainly Ian more so than any of the others. Uh, you know, he, he just he's a villa crackers, isn't he? he? Loves it. He loves he loves every inch of it. Tails. So yeah, chuffed for him. Chuffed to bits. I always used to visualise myself scoring and and how I'd score and what I'd do when I score. And um, I always visualise myself running off to the corner flag and and doing a little dance in the in the in the corner. But before I could do my dance, Tommy Johnson jumped on me, and I was like, "Been <laughs> act, Tom." And um, but now you know, Tom Tommy was a good mate, and he was the first one there to congratulate me for scoring. And um, it was just like, oh, so awesome, mate, so awesome, because it's something that I dreamt of as a kid, not not just scoring at Villa Park, but then to go and score at Wembley as well in a Villa shirt was just just unbelievable. Coming so soon after sort of joining the club as well, and, and Brian had almost revamped the the team by then, you know. It it, it almost revamped it um, with his signings, and, and all of his signings had actually worked, um, even, even Sabo. You know, Sabo scored that day as well, as you know. But um, we were beginning to see the real quality side of, of Milosevic. Uh, he, he was a really talented player. He just had to get his head right, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it all come. And, of course, it was Big Macca. Uh, McGrath was, was just... Life was beginning to catch up with him a little bit, you know. Um, and uh, Brian, obviously, brought in uh, Gareth Southgate. Uh, to sort of be his long-term replacement, and and he converted uh, Gareth from a central, uh, sorry, from a central midfield player, yeah, in, into a central defender, um, and, and uh, he certainly did exceptionally well after that change. So, uh, yeah, there were happy days, really good times, very very happy, and and as I said, I was particularly happy during that spell, um, working at such an amazing club, you know, and and. Being surrounded by such good footballers, you know, I, I just still remember all those photos after the game with uh, myself, Savo, and Dwight. Obviously, you know, the press con- concentrate on all the goal scorers, and um, you know, you don't realise until sort of later on that these games are shown all over the world, aren't they? And the you know, Premier League was shown all over the world, and I'd be going on holiday and walking down the road, and somebody'd recognise you, and um, it just showed how how far and wide these games are, are seen and that's what you want as a footballer you want you want to be winning trophies and uh, and um, and doing well 
and uh, you know, in turn, you sort of get that recognition as well. What would that night have been like celebrating? Can't remember much about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all I can remember is Tommy in a wig and a piano somewhere. We must have been in a piano bar somewhere. And that's all I can remember because we were absolutely smashed. <laughs> we did have a get together, but basically some of the lads had to leave to go off to international duty. I, I've never really been wanting to celebrate and that much me, really, to be honest. Um, I, I'd, I'd probably have had a couple of drinks and, and, and got on with it, but it wasn't a night I remember overly well. What would Doug have done? Would he have given you a pat on the back or...? Yeah, you know, he was up for it. I mean, he loved the party. He liked that. He was a bit of a party animal, let me tell you. He loved all that. He loved being in amongst everybody. Um, and, yeah, you know, everybody was his best pal. Uh, yeah, no, he loved He loved things like that. He was great at things like that. Knowing Doug, he would have been trying to... He would have been claiming credit for the whole thing, for winning it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way Doug was. It'd, uh, it'd have been all, all, it'd have been all down to him. He won the cup for us. Life was always easier if Villa lost, obviously, because there was no work to do other than reporting the game. We produced a 32-page special on the Monday morning. Well, as you know, there's a lot of work involved in that, so you need a lot of interviews, a lot of features. So after the match, I was sent down to the dressing room area just to catch whoever I could going into the dressing room and it wasn't easy because obviously they were all you know euphoric and just wanted to get in there and have a drink of champagne and whatever else and I, I was just standing you know got the the briefest of words with the players and then Alan Evans who by that time was assistant manager to Brian he came down and he, he said just get in there which I was fantastic so I went and sat just round the corner next to Savo and Dwight York was to my left. And the thing I'll never forget about him, he was standing stark naked. <laughs> he got champagne in the cup. And he had probably a bit too much, because I don't think he was a big drinker at the time, but he'd had a little bit, he got a bit tipsy. And he kept started singing, Come on, lads, start spreading the news. And they all joined in at first, but of course, after a while, they got sick of him. I was sitting talking with Brian Little on the other side of the dressing room. And out of the blue, the, my phone rang, and it was my daughter, who'd gone down on a shareholder's coach with my wife. And she, she was all excited because Villa had won. And I, I thought, oh, I'm going to give her a little treat here. So I said, just hang on a sec. And I passed the phone to Brian, thinking, well, she'll love this. I'll have a chat with Brian Little. And Brian, hello. And he looked a bit puzzled, and he shrugged, passed the phone back to me. And I said, Helen, you know who that was, don't you? No? I said, it was Brian Little. It wasn't. <laughs> she thought I was winding her up. <laughs> I said, well, here you are then. We'll try something else. And Dwight, by this point, had come and sat round the corner from us. I passed him the phone. He said hello to her, and then he sang the song down the phone to her. And she, apparently she was sitting on the couch with all these, these sort of well-to-do villa supporters, the old shareholders at the time. Dwight singing to me, <laughs> so she loved it. You know, you still you start seeing all the uh, show reels of the last time Villa won a trophy, because obviously we're still the still the ones who have last were last to win a trophy for the club. So it is going to get shown, and um, and then the memories start flooding back, and you know, I still and, and I start getting the texts of yeah, you but you shinned it tails, 
and um, <laughs> you know, which I, I kind of think, oh, cheers. Does that give you mixed emotions? Kind of pride that you were involved in that, and as a Villa fan, frustrated that we haven't kicked on and, and won a lot more since that. Yeah, there's, yeah, we, you know, we've been close a, a couple of times, but yeah, we should be, we should be winning trophies. We've, you know, we've been in positions where we've we've had a great chance and and not quite done it. And I'd be lying if I didn't say it is nice still to have that, you know, that little thing where I, you know, I am part of that team that won a, a tro- the last trophy for Villa. I'd be lying if I didn't say that was a that was a nice thing to have. But you know, we should be winning trophies. We should be competing for trophies. Um, and it's it's been a long time. Twenty five years is too long for our club, really. So um, it's something that needs to be addressed, mate, pretty quickly. It must even now fill you with immense pride that not only did you manage Villa, but you managed Villa into what for a generation is remembered for a really really great time, a great era. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, uh, you know. Um, I inherited some great players from Ron. Uh, I left some great players for John. I mean, and that, that's how it should be, really. You know, um, uh, uh, and, and the, the, the team and the club were in great nick. I can remember the first day I walked into Villa Park as a 15-year-old kid. And that 15-year-old kid not only played for the club, not only worked in the club shop, not only, not only was a youth coach, you know, he became the manager. Um, no, it's just incredible. It's just a wonderful experience. So, um, I, 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 yeah, I'm proud, crikey. I, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. You know, it's it's it's, an, it's a fairy tale story in my in my mind. Total, total fairy tale story, which um, you know still is still going on today. So, you know, I've been blessed. And what have you got by way of mementos, towels from back in '96? Have you got a shirt or a medal? Or I don't even know where the medal is, Matt. It's it's in me. It's in the house somewhere. You know the disappointing thing about medals as well is is that they end up just being like your little Sunday league medals that you used to get as a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're they're not, not they're not anything special, really. Obviously, it's a cup win, cup winners medal, but. It just looks the same as one of those medals what you got when you were playing Sunday League. <laughs> those Wembley heroes, the class of 96, they might not know where they've stowed away those Coca-Cola Cup medals, but we don't need tangible reminders of that glorious day. Memories that will last a lifetime are stored away in the minds of the Claret Blue faithful. Just please, Villa, don't leave it another 25 years until you win the next one. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.